0: podcast new york what's up dueling decades this is wax peace to all you guys and uh thanks for having me on the show will it be the 90s or the 80s beanie babies or crack babies will it be nirvana or madonna maybe britney maybe whitney do you like new metal or new wave dave Grohl or super dave i don't know but now the battle begins dueling
1: decades Let's see who wins. Dueling Decades. Broadcasting from the podcast New York studios, it's the adult-only retro game show where the decades battle for supremacy because it's your history, we just fight for it. Welcome back to Dueling Decades. I am Mark James, and this week, I will be representing the best of March 1988 alongside the other duelers and the decades they will be fighting for. First off... Getting gnarly with the 80s. Say hello to Man Crush.
2: That's right. I have uh, March 1st through the 7th of 1988. And I just want to say that I'm a little offended by our judges Muppets shirt. I'm just <laughs> going to throw that out there. It's offensive.
0: Look, any t- I didn't realize as a kid that Dr. Swineport was a reference to Dr. Strangelove. We w- started watching the new Muppets. And, of course, the warning comes up on one of them. And we're like, oh, we're watching this one, <laughs> and we're thinking it's going to be just obvious and awful. And yes, there were some that you go, yeah, that really wouldn't fly today. But um, you know, the show holds up. And then you go, well, you got to watch them all. And and so we were first cherry picking the Pigs in Space episode ones, and then started watching other ones. All
2: right, I'll give you a pass. I'll give you. Thank
0: you. Pass. <laughs> True fam. Also
1: joining us on the panel and bringing the far out from the 70s, welcome back to the show, Trevor Gumble.
3: What's up? I am repping for the first week of March 1979, year of my birth, but not till the very end.
1: And as always here on the show, we need somebody to adjudicate all of this awesomeness, and we got a lot of requests for this week's guest judge to return to the show. So back by popular demand, all rise for Judge Keith Coogan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Happy to be back.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. The judges coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And in the event of a tie, after all five rounds, we will go to a final wild card round. Remember, duelers, to review the show. Listen, subscribe, and play along at home. It's time for more Dueling jacket. All right, so we'll go right down to guest judge Keith Coogan for the coin toss this week. It'll be between myself and uh, Trevor Gumble. Trevor, you have the honors of calling it.
3: Oh, I'm gonna f- mix it up a bit. Let's go tails. Tail.
0: Okay. So, Trevor, you've got the back of the DVD box, and Mark, you're up here on the front of Broken Hearts Gallery. We just love the movie. Oh, tails. Trevor, it is your pick. All right, right. Trevor.
1: You won the coin toss, and you get to select our first category.
3: All right. I'm going to get this one out of the way, since it's one I'm not particularly excited about. I am going to go with the news. So, my uh, news is for March 5th, 1979, the Voyager 1 making its closest approach to Jupiter and observation about the moon's rings and radiation magnetic fields of the solar system it actually discovered Jupiter's rings. So that is my pick for March 5th, 1979. The discovery of Jupiter's rings.
1: Nice. Couple episodes back, Man Crush, you had, what did you have? I, I don't I think
2: remember. it was, yeah, <laughs> was it Mars' ring? I don't know. Somebody's ring. It was somebody's No, ring. it was rings around Uranus. How could you forget? <laughs> Come on.
1: I just wanted to hear you say it again, man. <laughs> All right, Man Crush, what did you bring for the news
2: round? All right. Well, I'm glad you went news first, because I would have actually selected news first myself. Let's go to March 7th, 1988. And this one, it struck a chord with me. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before in previous episodes, but when I was in elementary school, we had this principal. His name was William Carter. And aside from being a former golf pro, this dude was seriously he was insane. He shot par in an 18 hole course with a putter. This is just one of the many stories that he told us. Uh But he was also like a huge disciplinarian. I have stories about that I won't even go into. But anyhow, one of the things he did every morning was this thing called the morning program. So every day before our first class, you would sit in the cafeteria with the entire school, grades K through six. And old Willie, he would dispel his wisdom for like a half hour on the entire student body. And much like the Man Crush three, the morning program sessions, they were filled with the Willie Carter three. And while, while he was speaking, you always heard a very faint Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all, playing in the background. That was the low-key song number one of the Willie Carter three. And song two was Footloose, which leaves little wonder is why I love Kenny Loggins. But anyhow, that leaves us with song number three. And aside from providing children with tips and tricks for life every morning, Willie always found a way to put us outside of our comfort zone. So you, let me just paint a picture. So we're in the cafeteria. It's filled with maybe like four or 500 kids, which, by the way, is not a fire hazard at all. There was like two doors, which is insane. thinking about it now. But old Willie, he would cue up Chubby Checker and the Fat Boys, do the twist, and he would just select random kids out of the audience to come up on stage and have a dance battle. And for the record, he did this with Footloose as well. But let me tell you, from experience, This was one of the most daunting things that could ever occur to a youth. He'd be up on stage, the entire student body sitting on the cafeteria floor. He would just scan the crowd looking for some schmuck kid to come up on stage. Your heart was literally beating out of your chest. And the thing was, you could not refuse if you were picked. Oh, Willie, he would literally he would drag you out of the audience if you were not moving fast enough. And if you didn't dance, he would just badger you on the mic until you danced. So it was literally the funniest and most frightening situation a young child could go through. I mean, this is like, I was probably like in fourth, fifth grade when the song came out. But when you did get, you didn't get picked rather, the it was a huge burden of relief. It was amazing. It was like a fucking roller coaster of emotional proportions every morning. But anyway, that all said, I found an article about Chubby Checker getting together with the Fat Boys to re-record the twist. Which if you guys didn't know, it happens to be a pretty important song um it did get dancing where people are dancing together you're not like at a sock hop anymore and going up and asking a girl to dance you would just go out on the floor and dance like an idiot like we did in uh, mechanics town elementary school so in 1988 we all got to relive the pandemonium that was the twist and it was updated so that mr carter could ridicule us kids (laughs) for not dancing as well as our peers so that's what i have for the news of march 1988
1: yeah, I actually cool. kind of dig that version of the twist,
3: man.
2: Yeah, me too. I
3: remember the video.
2: We should have been in the video. Should Just a bunch of scared kids up on stage. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dancing. <laughs> All
1: right, guys. So for my news story, you know, we got so much good feedback on our episode a little while back on stupid news. You know, I thought I'd bring a fun one tonight. So we're going to go over to a news article I found that says, Stick Up Fails When Note Proves Unreadable Out of Pearl River, New York. As if she was in a Woody Allen movie, the bank teller squinted at the note handed to her by a man disguised with a plastic bag over his head. She couldn't make out what the note said and consulted a colleague who also found it unreadable. By the time they and the other clerks finally figured out that I've got a gun was part of the message, the disguised man, apparently unnerved, had left without saying a word or showing a weapon. The teller hadn't immediately reacted to the plastic bag man because she thought he might have had a skin problem or possibly burns, police said. Police (laughs) investigators continued to hunt for the man on Tuesday, and because the handwriting on the note was so bad, they're still trying to figure out what the entire note said. So just like in the 1968 movie, Take the Money and Run, where the bumbling Allen character fails at a bank robbery when the uh, teller points out that his note says, gub instead of gun so much like (laughs) that so if you're gonna rob a bank people at least take the time to write legibly it'll it'll save you a lot of grief
2: we're not telling you to rob a bank
1: no but if you do
2: if you do right yeah
1: you know at least write neatly
2: and if you're on the (laughs) other side of that just say i don't know what it says right like what what the fuck fuck is this (laughs) out of sight this was not (laughs) yeah Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) All right, so that's my news story. Let's kick it down to our guest judge, Keith Coogan, for the ruling on the news round.
0: Oh, so tough on the news round. Uh, I love the uh, the chubby checker. Uh, there was a lot of backstory in there. Seemed very personal to you. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I like the original uh, twist and stuff. And I think my first introduction to music was 50s because I was out in a smaller town with very bad radioception and I could get uh like K Earth one oh one in here fifties and sixties stuff kind of to start my vocabulary of music. Um but I do love uh I love that. We've got uh the um terrible note bank robbery and you know <laughs> I just like having a stack of Bill Cosby records, I also had seen pretty much everything in Woody Allen's Ouvoir um i'm going to uh uh i say that i remember that i remember when the bank robber had the illegible note and yes it is foolish It is foolish to rob a bank nobody writes actual notes anymore text them just text them (laughs) (laughs) you up you up to give me money it's just emojis
2: right yeah
1: can you just venmo me
0: that (laughs) (laughs) yes a little money sack
3: they call it a looty call
0: what is this you spelled it gub i don't understand <laughs> um you could auto correct but really screw you there so i don't know don't rob <laughs> the bank i'm though however the ultimate space tech nerd i had the space shuttle manual uh in the 80s and was just heartbroken by the challenger explosion uh but it followed all of the kind of like stuff going on at the time i think we talked about how I was working on the Waltons when the uh um the space station was coming down, the first space yeah. station. Yeah. So th- I'm gonna take it out to Jupiter and rings, because who knew that they had rings, right? That was really great news. Um, and I just think that was all of that Voyager Veger, as we all know. M'ger. <laughs> I'm gonna give it to V'ger right there. I'm gonna give it to the Voyager. <laughs> All right, Trevor,
1: you pick up a point in this game, but more importantly, you keep control of the board and get to select our next category.
3: All right, I'm going to go with music. And for this one, I'm going to go kind of off kilter. I'm going to go with a musical this time. Uh, This musical premiered March 1st, 1979, nominated for nine Tony Awards, went up winning eight, and starred Len Carew, Angela Lansbury, Victor Garber, Sarah Rice, and Edmund Leindick, among others. Uh, It's a story of a guy who liked to cut hair, um, but got a little bit angry about it. You know, he kind of took it out on people. I think he was a little bit obsessed. um, And about a woman who I don't think would cut it even at McDonald's. And my pick was Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. You don't think a, a musical about a psychotic barber and a woman who put people in her... Meat pies a la Soylent Greenwood <laughs> garner critical acclaim from the Sophisticates. but Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah.
2: Spoiler. Oh, God damn it. Oh. <laughs> you just ruined it for everybody.
3: Yeah, I know. I know. Am I canceled now? <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, yes, my pick for 1979 is Sweeney Todd. That's fantastic. All right, Man Crush, what do you have for the music round?
2: <sighs> All right, so let's go March 4th, 1988, and I'm going to double down on some soundtracks here. The movie itself, Enormous Hit in 1987, ended up grossing $214 million at the box office, over $500 million in 2021. The soundtrack, though, that's what we're going to be focusing on here. And I don't normally select albums that hit number one on the Billboard 200, but I felt like this is something that always gets passed by on our show, I believe. I've never heard it. And it really needs to have its day in the sun. I mean, my mother owned this one on vinyl back in the day, and she listened to this shit relentlessly all the time. So even though the soundtrack came out in August of 87, it had been bouncing around the top 10 of the charts for months. But during the first week of March 1988, it snagged that top slot from George Michael's faith. And it stayed on the charts for the next two months. It stayed at number one, only to be knocked off again by George Michael in May. Uh, But in total, it would have 18 weeks on top of the charts. The soundtrack would go 11 times platinum in the U.S., It would sell 32 million copies worldwide. And like when it comes to soundtracks, there's always a lot of talk about like Purple Rain, The Bodyguard, Saturday Night Fever, et cetera. But I feel like this one just doesn't get its due. Like I said before, maybe just on the show, we don't talk about it enough. And I don't understand why. Uh, But matter of fact, this soundtrack did so well that they released a follow-up soundtrack March 4th of 1988, also in my week. While not as popular as the original, the follow-up entitled more dirty dancing would peak at number three on the billboard 200. So we get a double helping of dirty dancing. The dirty dancing soundtrack hits number one and they released more dirty dancing. So moms all over the world could fantasize about their youth and Patrick (laughs) Swayze, of course. And, uh, you know, the funny thing too, like bill Medley, the guy that did, I've had time of my life when they first pitched this to him, he thought that they wanted him to write a song for a porno. <laughs> True story. Uh, really? Yeah. He thought it was for a porno. They had it like, they were like, no, dude, it's not It's not a porno. It's Patrick Swayze's in it and shit. <laughs> and then he did it. Wow.
3: But yeah, that's what I got. God, summer of 87. My mom listened to that fucking soundtrack relentlessly.
2: Yes. I think everybody's mom did. It was yeah, just like, definitely. It, it's like the government issued mom album. Yeah, it was. Like, it was. You just <laughs> needed to have it.
1: All right, well, we'll go in a slightly different direction for my uh, music offerings. In the middle of its 29th season, this iconic television show actually taped a one-hour musical special that would go on to have a Grammy-winning soundtrack that was released on CD and cassette March 3rd, 1998. And, you know, because everything in the 90s had a Palooza to it, I give you the Emmy Award-winning Elmo Palooza. Now, the track listing on this one actually is quite amazing. <laughs> you start off with Mambo I, I, I by Gloria Estefan, and then it moves on to I Want a Monster to Be My Friend by En Vogue, which includes the lyrics, of course, sung seductively and breathly, as only En Vogue can. Oh, I want a monster to be my playmate. We'd soon become good friends because although they're hairy and sometimes scary, They have soft and furry paws. If I make friends with a friendly monster, I'd be the best that a friend could be. I'd let him do whatever he wants to.
2: (laughs) Never gonna get it. Never
3: gonna get it.
1: (laughs) And then we move on to Zigzag Dance, which is with the mighty mighty boss tones in the count, which fantastic track. Nearly missed by Rosie O'Donnell and Elmo. You can skip that one. Just Happened to be me by the Fugees. That's a good track, and I Want to Live on the Moon by Sean Colvin and Ernie, and then the highlight of the CD for me by far, and it was an exclusive to the album because it was actually not on the TV special, and that's I Love Trash, sung by Steven Tyler of Aerosmith, and he gives you the wonderful (laughs) lyrics like, I got a clock that don't work and an old microphone, a broken umbrella and a rusty trombone. (laughs) And I'm delighted to call them my own. I love them because they're trash. And all of this is done with Steven Tyler belching out these long screams at the end of the word trash. You know, and just Steven Tyler being his most Steven Tyler-esque. All of the tropes are there. The screaming, the talking parts on the intro, the scat singing, the blues riff with the harmonica in the background. And, well, his love for trash, street or otherwise. So that's what I'm bringing for the music round. It's Elmo Palooza. You really can't go wrong with this one. Enjoy it. Uh, I think
2: you just got Sesame Street canceled. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I think that's what just happened. And
3: yeah, and it looks like you almost killed Keith there. (laughs) (laughs) Rusty
1: trombones. All right, let's toss it down to our judge, Keith Coogan,
0: for the ruling on the music round oh god uh what was the first one short-term memories going
3: sweeney todd
0: Sweeney todd um i have no um nostalgia for that I hadn't seen it then and uh has yet to even see the uh helena bonham carter johnny Depp version so i can't really connect with that but it is i'm sure it's a great piece of art they said that was one of the greatest bluffets. Was uh, with the trailers and the poster art and everything. The ad campaign for Sweeney Todd let people think it was going to be a murdery, bloody suspense thingy. And then it was wall to wall musical. Uh, Every once in a while, I get in my like From Hell and like Seventh, Ninth Gate and like deep Johnny Depp cuts. So I'll dig in, I'll I'll give that a shot. So I love that you were giving recommendations on what tracks to skip on (laughs) Elva. That's once again, I was, uh, what year is that? 87? 1998. Oh, 98. Oh God, no, I'm 28. Completely ruining <laughs> my life. Not even, no, no, I, I, you know, I had no connection at all whatsoever to Elmo. Never did, but I love that's a ballsy pick. It really is. <laughs> I love the detail and depth. It was a great, you almost had liner notes on this thing. Um, but <laughs> perhaps not uh i'm gonna go for dirty dancing wins and it wins i mean you could even just have said it was just dirty dancing too. you know further dirty dancing that probably would have won because that shit played to death and i was 17 and going to all of these clubs in la that were all ages and you just get a wristband if you could drink and if not then you're still in really and it was weird and then there was also soda pop clubs that played the dirty dancing soundtrack to death at the club the dirty dancing soundtrack oh do you love me played on the hour every hour at these clubs <laughs> um it just was in heavy rotation um i have a lot of fun memories of that the movie's fantastic uh and so it's going to go to the dirty dancing soundtrack sorry guys
2: did anybody try to do the lift at the club?
0: <laughs> no, not that I could recall at the time. They just wanted to do the dirty dancing, and these are teenagers. So you can imagine oh. the women flying around. Oh, God, that wow. would have been great.
1: All right, Man Crush, you pick up a point. You take control of the board heading into our final one-point round. What category are we going with next?
2: Well, man, it's a weak experience, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, I'll go movies. We'll go movies right in the middle. Uh, March 5th, 1988. Now, there were some decent movies that came out on my week, but nothing that actually spoke to me. And personally, I think it's imperative when you're making your selections that something hits home with you. Because if it doesn't, it almost just feels like you're running through the motions and you're not, and you're, maybe you're like you're selling something that you don't particularly like. I've done it before out of necessity. I think we all have. With that being said, I ran across this ad as a sneak preview on saturday march 5th and i had to select it i forgot all about this movie and i loved it growing up although i never saw it in theaters this is one of those hbo saturday night staples growing up where it was on like every friggin' weekend so i watched it all the time it's a coming of age comedy took in roughly 14 million dollars at the box office so right around 31 million dollars in 2021 and much like we talked about i think it was last week or when we had uh who was on? Uh, Joel Murray, I think, was on. We were talking about disaster flicks in the 70s. Much like that, there was an onslaught of these body swap movies in the 80s. Yeah. Yes.
0: Which is almost akin <laughs> A to like the design. 70s. Vice yes. America. Absolutely.
2: Yes, absolutely. So, you, I mean, 1984, you had All of Me with Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin. And then 87, like you mentioned, you had Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron in uh, like Father Like Son. Then 1988 alone, You had two other ones besides my pick. You had big, of course. Well, I mean, kind of. It's not really a body swap, but sort of. No, no. I'll
0: accept it. It goes into that theme.
2: Yeah, it's close. And then you had 18 again, the George Burns classic. And then in 1989, you had the Corys in Dream a Little Dream. And then you had Robert Downey Jr. also in 1989 that did um, Chances Are. So you had a plethora of body swap movies. And then this particular title for this movie, which is loosely based on the novel from 1882, this is the seventh film or TV adaptation of that novel by Thomas Ancy Guthrie. And actually, this is the first American adaptation. And it was one that Keith mentioned. Uh, although it, it is a kid's movie, it does hold up for adult audiences. I just watched it the other night. And my, my wife said, why the fuck did you rent this for $3.99? Because I don't <laughs> own it. every every week if I have something I don't own I end up renting it and she's like what what is this fucking what is this movie anyhow um so if you're in the mood for like magical skulls Fred Savage drinking martinis sons making out with their dad's girlfriend 80s yuppies guys that make way too much money working in retail Judas Priest ripoff stupid crooks (laughs) kidnappings awkward scenes that wouldn't fly in 2021 a movie that Roger Ebert actually liked and Judge Judge Reinhold absolutely killing it as an 11 year old. The 1988s, vice versa, is the movie for you. And P. S., and we mentioned this before. How is it that Tom Hanks got an Oscar nomination for playing a kid in big and Reinhold's career went down the tubes after this?
1: Yeah. I never understood that man. Reinhold his best is performance
2: brilliant. in a by oh, a dude, long he, shot. He plays it so fucking good. I was laughing my ass off the other night watching that shit.
0: But yeah. Vice versa, was Ryan, Reinhold not in Beverly Hills Cop Three? Did both tag he us? was he? Oh, he was. Yeah, oh, that's right. and that he'd gone like vegan and everything, peace and spiritual. Yep, but, he yep. did. I
2: didn't uh, know that.
0: Uh, that's right. That's right. I no, he, I don't think he ever did. I think yeah. that Reinhold always had a, um, a subversive al- alternative kind of a take, and that studios probably hated him. But I think he's a audiences actor. Like they just really, I think audiences really always liked him in whatever role. He's he does a thing at conventions. that's fantastic. He is a close talker, but he'll do it. Knows <laughs> who knows. He comes up. So and then he'll want to take have someone take a picture of you. Knows knows with him. And it's just that's very very. He'll give you a hundred percent of his focus when you're in front of him. Well,
1: I'm sure he's not doing that right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, I love I that Ruthless People was, come on, Ruthless People is, Touchstone went through a string of, you know, great stuff in the, touch that era <laughs> in the 80s, stakeout and stuff, Ruthless People. Was yep, saying, hell
3: yeah. Well, then he became a judge when uh, Randall sued Dante after he slipped at the Quick Stop.
2: That's right. <laughs> We'd love, I mean, we've, we've tried to get him on the show before to be a judge. I mean, what better exactly. judge exactly. than Judge Reinhold? I mean he's in on the joke, so he might well, I don't know if it's a joke though like you you obviously probably know him better than we do, but wasn't his dad like an attorney or something and named him judge because of that 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 was the rumor that I heard like long time ago.
0: I think we should change the judge on your show and just call it our Reinhold tonight is. <laughs> <laughs> And then get it to film a couple of those and send those links to them when you go, hey, listen, it's kind of funny, but we'd love to have you on the show. We actually just call our judge of the show Reinhold.
3: <laughs> a little uh, little bait for the mouse there.
0: Right, right. Actors are whores.
2: <laughs> totally.
1: All right, Trevor, you're up next. What did you bring for
3: the movies round? Okay, my movie is from March 1st, 1979. Again, uh, it was directed by one of my favorite filmmakers, Albert Brooks starring him and uh Louis Haggerty? Uh actually this time no. It no. was him and Charles Groden. Actually it be- it uh oh. is a satire of reality TV before reality real TV set? became a thing. Yes. What's that? The real set the No, uh What's
0: it called <laughs> Damn it Keith, let me do my SAR Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying
3: to help, man. I'm teasing. It's about this producer who decides he wants to show what a real family is like. So he decides to put the cameras in a real family household and things just kind of go shitty. And it stars, and I keep forgetting her name because I only refer to her as Lorraine's mom from Back to the Future. I'm sorry, that's that's how I know her. <laughs> Lorraine's mom from Back to the Future. And as Keith halfway knew it, it is real life from uh, 1979.
0: Thank you. Yes. I always halfway know shit, yes
2: Mark hates Charles Grodin, by the
0: way I, don't know I love him, I love Charles Grodin We just saw him on uh, We just saw him on, oh god What did we watch Charles Grodin on? He had a few lines And they're like, would, so would I you... married an ex-murderer? Yes, that's exactly it And uh, The cop is trying to, could I, I want to come Into your car, and he goes, No No <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen him on Letterman, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Groden on Letterman is, yeah. is priceless, yeah. and I really, I don't, I can't tell if it's a bit or if he's honestly Notaro and be that present.
3: That's right. the genius of Groden.
0: Yep, yep. And Bob Balaban's like that too. It's hard to do that. You got to give props to <laughs> those. So this, and then anything that Albert Brooks does is, of course, great.
3: Yeah. I'm actually excited cuz Defending Your Life is is getting a Criterion release. One of his best movies yes, in my opinion.
0: Yes, yes.
1: All right guys, so for my movies pick, you know, we'll go over to the News and Observer out of Raleigh, North Carolina, March 6, 1998 for The Big Lebowski. Full review on page 9. The newest Coen Brothers film Jeff Bridges plays a 1960s throwback and an avid bowler named Jeff Lebowski, also known as The Dude, who gets mistaken for a different Jeff Lebowski and becomes involved with a kidnapping, double-crosses, pornography, and a gang of German nihilists. So then we'll flip over to page nine where excerpts from the article say, Likeable, Loopy Lebowski. More colorful than a bag of jelly beans, and as exhilarating as a roller coaster ride. The new Coen Brothers movie is a zippy, glorious blast. The postmodern riff's main weakness, though, is that it really isn't about anything other than itself. But you know, who cares? The dude is the laziest man in all of Los Angeles. The scruffy hair, goatee, dark sunglasses, and subpar thrift store clothes. He is a proud, unemployed loser who drives a beat-up old Ford Model T. So his days are spent smoking joints, sucking down white Russians, which he calls Caucasians, listening to CCR, and hanging out at the bowling alley with his buds Walter and Donnie. The article goes on to say, The Big Lebowski fizzles a bit in its final third as the Cohen's strain to invent loopier and loopier plot twists. Upon reflection, it's obvious that the plot twists don't really hold up to scrutiny, And the film doesn't resonate beyond the theater. But it is nearly impossible to convey the unadulterated fun to be had watching this film. I think he gets it wrong in the article where he says that the movie, that it doesn't resonate past the movie theater, because as we all know, the Big Lebowski did not make a lot of money in the movie theater. But as we talk about on this show all the time, it got its notoriety in the aftermarket on cable and on VHS rental. So I think that was its legacy. So that's my pick for the Movies Round, the all-time classic. It is ranked as one of the top 200 greatest movies of all time. It's The Big Lebowski. Man.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> that's just that's just like
0: your opinion, man.
1: All right, so let's throw this one down to Keith Coogan
0: for the ruling on the Movies Round. Wow. Okay, so as a filmophile, um, I would have said Lebowski. So many genius things in there. Philip Seymour Hoffman scene. Yeah he's a great man look at all these things it's like introducing john houston in chinatown it's genius of course i've watched lebowski countless times but it's it's taken me countless times to get parts of it i feel like something should be accessible pretty quickly or generally and it it is it niches itself because it's such it's almost like hudsocker proxy which i freaking love and i wish that hudsocker proxy was better but (laughs) (laughs) there's so many great things in all of the coen brothers movies and i've lied about seeing blood simple um because (laughs) i've seen parts of it or maybe in fate i don't know but i say that i have to be that snob it's like of course i've seen blood simple i have (laughs) um but um so lebowski of course is genius um what was the the first one judge reinhold that was vice versa or like father it was vice versa
2: vice versa yep
0: vice versa and like father like son were based on the same pitch that went around to studios and then one optioned it let it go rewrote it you know what i mean i feel like that or a studio looked over and said they're doing a body swap movie yeah okay we're gonna do a body swap movie <laughs> like you said it was pretty trending so i feel it's yep. like an eight man out um feel the dreams kind of a situation uh real life now that is um that's a find i think and uh it is um uh uh, i've seen it and uh i I still love coming to america you know i think holds up as a better film for him um and i can't vice versa the zeitgeist at the moment i'm coming back to lebowski because in terms of films if you hood all three up just at the time yeah it's gonna go to lebowski unfortunately i have to i'm sorry i have to argue my way out of that i tried to get go lebowski's too obvious it's such a great film the only thing is yes the coen brothers could work better at being more accessible to general audiences now i was i did see fargo in a very republican um city i was in orange county and um the theater was like a third full and i was front rowing at the time and was the only person laughing at Fargo in the theater. Oh, man. And I was laughing at the bleakest, darkest moments. I was just like, this is great, you know? Oh, yeah? She's <laughs> getting kidnapped and like stumbling over shit with the thing on her head. And I'm just, yeah, go, this is, oh, I could see this is just going to go so bad.
2: <laughs> it was like when I laughed during Titanic.
0: Uh, so yeah Lebowski wins yay
2: that eh, makes sense I'm not what gonna, other I films have started their
3: own religion I mean come on <laughs>
0: yeah. oh uh the Wizard of speed and Time um <laughs> that's a yeah. d's cut yeah you got think I willing to punish yourself for the 90 minutes but one one guy made this movie and and then shows you how he made the movie as he shows the movie and it's and then has great there's a shot where he goes, he's trying to pitch the movie to the producer and the producer goes, now we need budget. We need wide shots. And it's a wide shot. We need over the shoulders, close-ups, ups and it does it while he's doing it. And it's very, very smart, but um, he obviously wouldn't sell out to Hollywood. So it remained <laughs> kind of unseen. Um, I love I remember release. vaguely the
3: theme, the theme song.
0: I am the so wizard of speed. <laughs> worse, but he did it and recorded it yeah. all. And you know, That was like, I I have a theory that there's no such thing as a bad movie because they're so hard to make. So I can't, you know, there's unwatchable movies, but there's not, I wouldn't call them bad. They all serve their own kind of purpose.
2: I would agree with that. Like, even The Room is fantastic.
1: (laughs) I don't know about fantastic, but.
2: Well, there's things you got to take away from it. I mean, it's comedic genius, even though it wasn't supposed to be. Just whatever you pull from it.
0: I think there's a long history of people that weren't in on the joke until after the fact and then were called on it and then they tried to say oh no I knew and maybe this is his whole story it's like he's not that young as he says he's not from the country <laughs> he says he is he's such a joke but yet he takes to take him seriously so there's so many layers there and of course this the disaster artist was oh, amazing uh, oh that was great and yeah, before was great. I watched it um, I'm on the like SAG committee and the um academy uh, stuff for to, like, I get screeners and stuff to watch so vote and stuff in these awards. And I wanted to watch the room before I watched the escape, the disaster artist. And um I did, I found a copy or whatever, and I couldn't, I did, I tried and I'd heard so many of the scenes, I was like, I'll speed search the football and tuxedos. No, I'll speed a high mark. I'll speed search to this. <laughs> and it I couldn't not and it was, it was poorly made and, and, and then I couldn't understand how he spent this much money on it. That and then he shot it on digital and film. So yeah, the room is, 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 is the room. I did watch you some did of the room. Not watch it. See my wife is watching me right now. Called
2: out. Oh, we got a fact checker. <laughs> it is compulsively
3: watchable, the room.
1: The room is watchable if you're on ketamine. I think that's
2: about it. <laughs> or if he smoke a lot.
1: <laughs> all right, duelers. Well, we're all tied up in this game at one point apiece, heading into our first two-point round, and I have control of the board. Uh, gentlemen, we're going to go over to the hot products round. Uh, so for my hot product, you actually had to be part of an exclusive club that all 90s kids wanted to be part of, the Burger King Kids Club. So, during the first week of March 1998, and is a full-page Color Magazine ad hyping the arrival of these toys Red, right now our Kids Club meal comes with extra pickles. And now you can collect all five Rugrats toys inside each Kids Club meal. So, this week uh, the featured toy was Tandem, Tricon, Phil, and Lil, which features Phil and Lil on a tandem bicycle. The description reads, Pull back the tricycle and release, the twins' legs pedal, and the bike speeds forward and wobbles. Now, each toy came with a 12-page miniature version of the Nickelodeon Magazine, uh, which features the toy's instructions, a word search game, some puzzles, and uh, as well as some a coupon for Oral-B Rugrats toothpaste and, of course, a toothbrush. You also got some entry blanks to subscribe to Rugrats Comic Adventures and Nickelodeon Magazine. And, of course, the aforementioned exclusive Burger King's Kids Club. You also got issue number two of the Burger King Kids Club Adventures magazine. So this promotion had all, had one of those cool Burger King Kids commercials, uh, which I'm going to post up on our Facebook so everyone can take a look at. But, yeah, Rugrats toys
2: coming to a Burger King near you. Well,
1: in uh, March of
2: 1998, that is. <laughs> I heard a lot of innuendo in there by the way. <laughs> I think you just canceled Rugrats as well. Yeah, When you said um, there's a club
3: everybody wanted to be a part of in 1998, I was jokingly going to say, what, the Burger King Kids Club? And then you said, I'm like, oh shit, you stole my job.
1: <laughs> Alright, so yeah. Phil and Lil riding a tricycle, Burger King Kids Club meal. Can't mm. go wrong
3: with that. So that's what I got for the hot products round. Trevor Gumble, over to you. All right, my hot product is actually the number one selling hot single of the week ending March 3rd, 1979. It actually is the single that was released in 1978, but became the hottest selling single of, like I said, the week ending March 3rd, 1979. It is a question I ask far too many women far too many times and have, you know, gotten slapped in the face as many times, it is Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy? <laughs> so it reached the number one, stayed there for about four weeks. That is my pick for the hot product, is the, I'm assuming a 45, because I don't think Kasingo's, uh existed back then, of Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy? And do you guys think I'm
2: sexy? No. No. Okay. <laughs> just, just Just making sure. I won't slap you, though. okay thank you
1: we won't cancel you this time
3: Uh, (laughs) this time this time appreciate the honesty (laughs) (laughs) very sexy
1: all right man crush over to you for the hot products round
2: all right so let's go march 4th 1988 and uh you know honestly i haven't had the chance to select a 79.95 vhs tape in a while which happens to be 177 dollars in 2021 fucking bargain (laughs) <laughs> uh, but when I, I ran across this ad I had a jump on it this particular flick it never actually got a national release release rather, which is criminal because when you look at the names of the people that are behind it you have Joe Dante, John Landis, Carl Gottlieb uh, Robert Weiss the cast, tons of people Arsenio Hall, Phil Hartman, Michelle Pfeiffer Joe Pantoliano, Sybil Danning B.B. King, Rosanna Arquette, Steve Gutenberg, Henry Silva, Rip Taylor Donald Gibb Ed Bagley Jr., I mean, Carrie Fisher, David Allen Greer, so many people in this. Mar- oh, and you can't leave out uh Joey Travolta also in this. You can't leave that.
1: You had me at Rip Taylor. <laughs>
2: but I think mean, this movie is stacked. You had me at Joey Travolta. <laughs> yeah, I I figured that was I had to throw that one out there. But like there's so many people in this movie in the title sequence when you're watching it, it doesn't even have the star's names. It just says lots of actors. So you know it's gonna be <laughs> good right there. Uh but this movie, if it's probably in your wheelhouse if you liked USA's Up All Night, the Kentucky Fried Movie. You like Penthouse Pets with Full Bush, Attending Comedic Roasts for Dead People, Movie Pirating, Arsenio Hall, Bullshit Debunking, Don No Simmons, Accurate Predictions of Dating in 2021, Full Frontal, Ed Bagley Jr., Uh, misplaced newborns, anything that would be offensive today, renting smut from the video store, the Loch Ness monster, teens buying condoms, New York intellectuals, exploding VCRs and the hair club for men. If you like all that, then you have to go out, get yourself a copy of Amazon women on the moon, which actually it was just re-released by Kino Lorber. Uh, just, I think back in November. And with extras, the behind the scenes and the John Landis uh, documentary, like everything's in there. Eighteen dollars, eighteen bucks. Now you can go and buy that to go pick that up. And uh, interesting, it was actually supposed to be called the Kentucky Fried Sequel, but they couldn't get the name. So that's, of course, why they went with Amazon Women on the Moon. Uh, highly recommend it if you've never seen it. Fantastic movie.
1: All right, let's toss it down to our guest judge Keith Coogan. See what he has to say about the Hut Products Round.
0: Wow. Uh so this was a uh let me start with the uh, Amazon Women on the Moon. This was a VHS release. Yeah, so they so they didn't get
2: it had a very small release in September. I think it was September 17th of 87. They had like just New York City, probably LA, and that was it. So the, it never came out. So then they released it on VHS on March 4th, 1988 for 80 bucks.
0: Okay, that's yeah, that's right. right my first uh, actual job uh, outside of working on TV and stuff was a video store in '88, I think. So we probably had a copy on our shelf. Um, that uh, what if they'd advertised that as a Kentucky Fried movie or uh, what was the one in tele? Not
3: oh, the the boob tube or the boob tube, yeah, that's- something with tube. Thank yeah. you,
0: boob tube. Boob tube was great. Um, uh, then I think I would have been into it when it came out in the theaters, but it they only focus on like that last bit, Amazon Women on the Moon, and I felt like it was sci fi and I didn't go see it. So if they'd advertised it as the kind of episodic and like a bunch of different directors are going to do a bunch of shorts, um, it's no movie 39, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know,
2: like, there's different people, there's people that like Kentucky Fried movie, and there's people that like Amazon Women on the Moon, it's it's too different types of comedy I mean it it's the same but it's different at the same time it's hard to explain but what you were talking about right there this movie was actually filmed in 1985 mostly in 85 and I think it had something to do with the whole twilight zone trial remember the whole uh yes. accident yeah. and everything so I think that's why it was delayed for an extended period of time I don't have the blu-ray release I wish I did so I got to listen to John Landis's whole document or uh you know interview about the whole thing but uh I wish I did and if anybody did let me know why it took so long to come out but it's great I watched it the other night fucking hilarious
0: so uh and then we've got um a single which probably was on 45 that uh so yeah late 70s absolutely people would be buying singles um <laughs> and uh that was i felt a little on the music end but also amazon you know women on the moon is on the on the uh movie end too but you know we did start buying more media as products as it became available for home i don't think anybody was buying that i'm sure they went and rented uh amazon women on the moon for the single though obviously people were buying it it's the number one out there and that was when they had hard numbers on that stuff not this crazy let's count YouTube views. <laughs> yeah. that's reliable
2: you got a hate penny today
0: <laughs> that's crazy they started doing that and then we got bk kids i remember uh what early my early 90s bk kids i i don't know how when they started but i did appreciate that they were very inclusive and that they were multicultural and that they even had a handicapped kid yep. with the wheelchair you'd be doing the little you know connect the dots and they'd have the kid in the wheelchair uh i thought that that was oh, i was awesome that was very inclusive um and uh, I, I want to go towards Amazon Women on the Moon because that is so weird and unique. And did have a really good. I thought it did. It was since I lived in LA. I you know to me it was just in theaters. I didn't know it had a limited release. That's interesting. I, yeah, it yeah. Only
2: made like half a million bucks in the box office. Oh, ouch.
0: Yeah, ouch. I think at that time is when we started to have the phrase direct-to-video and we started to be like oh you're not going is it in the movies
2: <laughs> true and that's i've read that he talks about that in the blu-ray and i keep pushing it we're not sponsored by uh <laughs> by kina lorber but if you go and buy it please let me know what he said because i honestly don't know what was said on there
0: i think i had heard that the movie was shot in two chunks with the higher budgeted special effects being more money that had come in, or something like that, I, or the yeah. availability of somebody that they couldn't shoot that until later. I remember reading something about that.
2: It's funny though, man. Like if you, there's some that don't hit, but there's more that do hit than don't hit, because I think there's 21 clips in
0: it. Yeah, no, and I think it was an early exposure to our senior hall for people too. Um, yep, for sure, for sure. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Amazon Women on the Moon.
2: Sweet $177 VHS tapes.
1: <laughs> All right, man crush, you jump out to a lead heading into our final round the television round.
2: All right, I'm gonna do something that hasn't been done in a while and I'm gonna defer. I'm gonna give it to Trevor. Trevor, you get to start the TV round.
3: Okay, uh, my TV is a television special that premiered March 4th, 1979. This is a special celebrating 200 episodes of probably one of the greatest sitcoms, if not the greatest sitcom of all time. Uh, A sitcom so legendary, one of its props is in the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. I mean, not many shows can have that distinction. Um, It's a celebration of 200 episodes of All in the Family. It's actually a clip show um, celebrating, you know, 200 episodes of... Edith Archie Meathead and uh Gloria um that broke a lot of ground that uh, that show it dealt with a lot of a lot of issues racism
0: homophobia classism sexism
2: <laughs> Edith was uh, raped in an episode Oh oh no it was no she wasn't actually raped Oh it she was, wasn't uh, No it was no. she was just it was like attempted almost rape. Attempted. Yeah, it was temporary.
3: Uh, They had a Dry Queen neighbor, which was kind of big for that time. Yeah, they had the first toilet flush on network television, which is huge.
1: It was huge. That's why they had to flush it. <laughs> yeah. Again. Archie takes huge shits. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got to go eat it. All, <laughs> beer. all right, guys.
1: So uh, for my television pick, we're actually going to go over to the hometown of our very own Trevor Gumble. So I'm going to toss your salad and scramble your eggs. Uh, Wait, Uh no, I said that wrong. Give me your (laughs) tossed salads and your scrambled eggs, because we got an episode of Frasier to talk about, titled Room Service, originally aired March 3rd, 1998. In this episode, which won an Emmy for outstanding editing for the series, uh, we see the return of Lilith as we find out her husband has left her for another man. Frasier is once again infatuated with Lilith at the mere sight of her, but that all ends after a night of heavy drinking when Lilith sleeps with a recently divorced Niles. Uh, Frasier finds out as he goes to Lilith's room in the morning to give himself to Lilith yet once again and try to win her back, where he then encounters his brother hiding in the bathroom. Oddly enough, this doesn't even cause a rift between the two brothers, Because everybody kind of got something out of the deal. Lilith and Niles finally got over their recent breakups. And Frazier, well, now that she's fucked his brother, he's kind of (laughs) over Lilith. (laughs) For now. Or is he? Because we once again will see the return of Kelsey Grammer on television as he continues to play the role of Fraser Crane, extending the over 20-year run of the iconic character. So that's what I got for my television pick an episode of Frasier called room service, March 3rd, 1998. All right, right, man crush. Why don't you wrap us up with your television selection?
2: All right. So let's go 11 years after Trevor's pick. Let's go to March 4th of 1988. And last week I had a mid season replacement that turned into an absolute dynamo for ABC Uh, this week. I got another mid-season replacement, and this is a prime example of why we call these episodes the weak experience, and you could take that any way you want. Uh, Look, I I love me some Sam Jones. I'm a huge fan of Flash Gordon, but man, this one is just puzzling to say the least. I tracked down the first three episodes of this short-lived series, and it's probably one of the oddest series I've ever seen, which... For some, maybe it's worth watching because it's odd. I don't know. So if you do decide to track this one down, make sure you uh, grab a couple beers for the ride. I'm not going to be coy with this one uh, because I doubt many of you have actually seen this series. On March 4th, 1988, NBC gives us the gift that keeps on giving, at least for the next two months because it was canceled in May. But you get (laughs) The Highwayman. And as I mentioned before, the series, it stars Sam Jones as Highwayman. And the confusion starts when you learn that his name on the show is Highwayman. His actual name on the show <laughs> is Highwayman. And his friends call him Highway for short. Thank God. Uh, but Highwayman, he happens to be some kind of like secret law enforcement agent, some sort of um, top secret government agency that has the power to right the wrongs where ordinary laws do not reach. And the odd thing here. He, Like I said, he's in a top-secret agency, but he drives around in an ultra-futuristic 18-wheeler that looks like a love child between a helicopter, a food truck, a 1987 Monte Carlo, a 747, and a Mack truck. You know, something that would definitely not raise any eyebrows when people see it. And uh, I don't remember seeing an episode where the truck transforms into a helicopter, but I'm sure that was planned at some point. Uh, But there's also a second truck. And that one, it looks like an El Camino that gave birth to a Peterbilt, and it got stuck on its way out. That's what it looks like. Uh, There, there had to be like a lot of marijuana smoked in the writers' room. Seriously, these were they were like the Swiss Army knives of trucks: heat-seeking missiles, sports cars, helicopter, radar, glory holes—you name it, they had it. Um, But (laughs) if you look at the, if you took plot points from Airwolf, Knight Rider. Mad Max, and remember the show Auto Man? Yeah. From like the early 80s? You took the four of those, and you threw them in a blender and drank it. That drink would be called the Highway Man.
1: Wow, it's like live action mask.
2: Dude, it, it kind of... So you forgot it,
0: Riptide. You
2: forgot... Yeah, a little, it is a
0: little... Yeah, a little Where bit of Riptide a guy too. It could turn into a car. It could turn into a helicopter <laughs> or a car or a motorcycle. Remember that? That was short. History.
2: Did I mention... Did I mention that it's also a science fiction show? So in the first 10 episodes, they do their best. They fit in every niche they can think of. You had like evil corporations building clones, aliens, biker gangs, time travel, black market, (laughs) organ donors, (laughs) mind like uh, evil spirits was in it. And if this tagline from the show doesn't draw you in, I like I don't know what else to say. This is when you start the show. This is what they say. There is a world just beyond now where reality runs a razor-thin seam between fact and possibility, where the laws of the present collide with the crimes of tomorrow. Patrolling these vast outlands is a new breed of lawman, guarding the fringes of society's frontiers, and they are known simply as highwaymen. And this is their story.
1: All right, I'm confused. So... His name is Highwayman. But they're Highwaymen. So is it a family that does all of this?
2: No, they're in a secret government organization. It dude, it's like I was watching it from the first episode to the third one, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then they didn't release this on uh, Blu-ray or DVD, so I couldn't find like a really good quality copy. So I was watching it on YouTube where somebody had ripped the episodes and they're ripped from a VHS and it's a horrible rip. And I'm watching it on the projector screen. So a horrible picture on that huge screen. It's very hard to focus on what I was looking at or pay attention to the story, which is kind of all over the place. But I wish I could send you guys if you can Google it. I don't know if you guys have your your shit in front of you, but just put like highway man truck. And just see what it looks like. It's the craziest fuck. My description is exactly what it looks like.
3: I uh, I just uh, posted the promo for the for the for the show on the Dueling Decades um site on Facebook, so if anybody is interested in what it looks like, you will see how crazy, bad shit crazy this show is. Yes. Can I add to the to the insanity,
2: Nick? Yeah, go for it.
3: Um his partner in the show was played by um ex footballer. And at the time, Energizer spokesperson, yep. Jocko. Oi. Oi. You know, that guy. <laughs> and in the promo, they're back to back. And their catchphrase is, Sam Jones says, we're assault. And Jocko says, and I think this is intentional, and battery. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's the corniest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> I need this show in my life, and I need it now. And I just—they need to bring it back because this is the most insane thing I've ever seen. And I—they need, just need to it.
2: release it on Blu-ray or
3: something, so exactly. I can actually watch exactly. what it. No, they need supposed to, to look reboot like.
0: the show because it sounds like a show that would do really well today. And, yeah. and
3: but bring and but you know what? Don't recast it. Bring back Sam Jones and bring back Jocko.
0: Because Sam Jones is the man add um what's his face from Road Warrior and weird science, oh uh Vernon wells yeah
2: who was also who was also on the show who was a, he was a reinhold on the show
0: it sounds like <laughs> oh that's awesome it sounds like um either they dump a bunch of scripts from other shows that were like unprodu- they were like, I don't know what do we do with all these scripts? <laughs> it sounds crazy, I love it,
2: oh uh, dude, when I came across it, I was like, i gotta watch this." And I was so mad that the quality was so bad on the, uh, the YouTube rips. But God, it, it really does need to be released. Somebody needs Mill Creek or like one of these companies needs to grab it and redo this because people would buy this and just drink themselves into oblivion at their homes and watch it.
3: Sam Jones is such a cult icon. I think that it would move. I really do
1: well we know trevor loves the show man crush but unfortunately he is not the reinhold keith coogan is the reinhold so let's hear what he has to say for the television round
0: well i have to go look up the highway man immediately <laughs> uh, um, the uh Fraser has got uh probably more Emmys than cheers did uh great show but i wasn't wasn't a huge fan Uh, Personally, no biggie, just not my connection with Frazier. I'm going all in the family because I'm voting all in the family because there are people that to this day do not know it's satire. It's that well written. It's so well done. And Carol O'Connor uniquely um, demonstrates how great of a, you know, comedian and dramatist. He just goes into character so deeply and froths at the mouth doing it. I love the reboot. I know people had issues with the reboot, but I loved it. I love the challenge of doing it live. Shame on Jamie Foxx for completely pre-planned. It just didn't look like a spontaneous reaction to it. I'm sorry, Jamie, but, you know, did a great job, but you didn't need to totally break when it broke. Uh, But I I love All all in the Family, so I'm going to give it to All in the Family. All right, Trevor, you pick up the two points here in the television
1: round. That actually ties you with Man Crush. So we're going to go to the final wild
3: card round. Trevor, why don't you go first? All right. My wild card is actually my uh, backup for the movies round. Uh, It is a film released March 2nd, 1979, which earned Sally Field her Oscar uh, for Best Actress. It is Norma Rae.
1: Wow. Okay. (laughs) Can't go wrong with a little Sally Field. All right, Man Crush, what do you have for the wild card round?
0: It'll be good.
2: All right, my back my backup pick here that I saved. It's the release of the Beatles Past Masters that came out on March seventh, nineteen eighty-eight. This is their first time ever on Compact Disc, and their first release, I mean, obviously, you know, they they weren't getting together as a band, but it was their first release since nineteen eighty two, so in six years. And you got, this was a, a two-disc set, Volume 1 and 2. Both of them came out on the same day. I brought Norma Ray to a Beatles fight.
1: <laughs> That's right. All It all comes down to uh, the Beatles versus Sally Field. <laughs> Let's hear what Keith Coogan has to say on this battle.
0: Wow. That was, I was going to immediately go with uh, Norma Ray because I was in the pilot of the television series for Norma Ray. No shit. Wow. <laughs> Ned Beatty Bonnie Bedelia it was crazy and I had to learn a southern accent uh, I was very young and uh, I remember one of the lines to practice it was actually the sisters line of the show but it was Mama, Craig's banging Maine. <laughs> and uh, I just remember I got to work with um, a legendary uh, dialect coach in Hollywood for that uh, Eastman um, but you nuked me with Beatles Past Master because I had just gotten I was late to the game on the CD player and I just got a five CD platter you know thing and it was like Aerosmith and of course Beatles and damn did that sound good on CD so although the personal connection uh to Norma Ray that would just be too egotistical to pick that Beatles Past Masters that's I I that was great that was a great release
2: Oh man. Man, <laughs> that was the weak experience. Oh, but yeah, hey, I thought the Highwaymen would win the entire game, but you know, hey, Beatles still do it too.
1: Yeah, I've never seen the Highwaymen and I got to check it out. That sounds just incredible.
2: I hope and like that's one of the things we try to bring to people every week is try to bring something out that you haven't seen or you haven't seen in a long time. So you listen to the show, you get away from all the shit that's going on right now with pandemic, everything else. And you can go back and watch 10 episodes of this fantastic series that nobody ever saw called The Highwayman. Highway, yeah, it's Highwayman, but he's part of The Highwaymen.
3: <laughs> the promo will hook you. I guarantee
0: you, the ho- promo will hook you. It sounds vaguely connected to the universe of the Russian filmmakers, the Night Watch and Day Watch. Oh, I don't know yes. if you guys ever saw it. I've watch. never seen that. Do you see how there could be multiple highwaymen in different universe right. in different parallel worlds breaking ah. through and his name their name is always going to be highwayman. Right. In the
1: remake <laughs> though it's going to be the highway person.
0: <laughs> the
2: highway people. <laughs> oh man. We're the highway people. Get woke. <laughs> you just canceled yourself. <laughs> Keith, what what do you have going on, man? Since the last time we talked to you, you have stuff coming out, or what's going on right now?
0: Sure, we got uh I had done the uh, quarantine bunch, the former child stars that have their meeting on the series that's on YouTube, and then I filmed uh, Wrong Reasons, uh, which is a kind of a thriller comedy um, shot here in L.A. under COVID. That was interesting. And then I'm off to uh, Jersey to work on a uh, series uh, in a little bit. So, um, yeah, trying to keep busy and just auditioned for something today. So, I've been auditioning for a lot of stuff. Just shoot it right here and uh, send it into the casting director and then pray.
2: Very cool. What's in? Can you tell us about the series? Or you, that's still a uh,
0: nope. secret. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't really say. Yeah, they don't. You said it's
3: in Jersey? Yeah. So is it Kevin Smith related? Can you tell me that? <laughs> tangent,
0: tangent, tange- tangentially, ten tangentially. Yes, I can't say it right now. <laughs> ten- tangentially, I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? Uh, connected to. Oh, okay. Uh, it's just, uh, next door uh, to. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yes. Clerks three, everybody. that oh. oh. Leandro would be part of the equation. Oh. Ooh,
2: he's leaving a cliffhanger on us everyone will go look for yeah, i know
0: that. i know me too i'm, I'm we'll, we'll, uh, very interesting so yeah no it's a uh uh show uh and uh brian halloran's in it so Ooh. yeah see how the connections are starting to line up yeah oh. so much fun with brian um had him at some autograph conventions and stuff and saw him do marvelous new Year's Eve. he did uh roast for stanley that was amazing and uh, and then we were in reboot together, and uh, so I look forward to. Um, I'm gonna start teasing him as as much as I tease Will Wheaton when we were shooting Toy Soldiers. It'll be fun. I feel like I'm pumping <laughs> off working relationship with Brian to bring him to full Keith Coogan. Dude, Do people uh, come up to you and
3: uh, say the fishes are done, man? Now that you <laughs> now that you've made that line uh I, as I, legendary I haven't
0: seen anybody because la is so locked down yeah you, you know i, I had the gas station and that's about it <laughs> the doordash guy um so uh but i did put the um an autograph on my site uh it's a nice uh, uh jay silent bob reboot with lots of room to get the rest of the cast members too and that's on sale at keith dot and i'll write out fishes are done man uh for fans for
2: that that's awesome i gotta pick that i slipped in my merch right there no i like that you have to that's why we bring you guys on you can plug whatever you want if you wanted to plug it every single round you could have but people wait to the end i don't
0: know why at autograph shows we were putting out uh boxes of swedish fish to sign and (laughs) give (laughs) away.
2: we'd love to get brian back on here it's been years yeah we uh we hung out with him. We were in Rhode Island. We we went out with him one night and we hung out. We drank at the uh the after party for like hours and got he let us into the the VIP section of the Rhode Island comic. <laughs> and people were like, Who the fuck are you guys? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but it was fun.
0: That's a that is a huge huge convention i didn't even make it to the other like across the bridge or anything we were in the second hall and um that was a huge show there's a lot of traffic at So that was one of the last conventions
2: yeah you they, can't make it yeah. across that bridge anyway no even if you try it takes like an hour to get across that bridge because there's so many damn people which is crazy because what are they going to do when we go back because literally you're nut to butt walking over that bridge oh, yeah, to go absolutely. from one building to the other one so whew, i don't know what the fuck they're going to do do you guys? Do you have anything planned coming up? Like, are they starting to book you guys again to go back to these cons or not yet?
0: Yeah, we've got um, the Hollywood show in L.A. is trying to figure out a way that they can move forward. They just kind of keep pushing as L.A. County is adjusting the rules. And then um, the uh, New Jersey uh, Comic-Con Horror Convention Very and nice. Film okay. Festival. Yep, That's coming up in August, September. When they, they, you have to push too accordingly. So everything's just kind of being postponed um, where we can. So uh, and a screening in pencil in Philadelphia, uh, drive-in of adventures in babysitting.
2: Wait, is that going to be at Mahoning? Yeah, that's exactly ah, dude, fucking Mahoning is the shit. Have you ever been there before?
0: No, I have not.
2: Oh, you're in for a treat, dude. It's like a complete throwback. Yeah. Perfect. It's one giant screen in the middle of like cornfields and
0: it sells out. They're paying me in, in cheesesteak sandwiches. So
1: nice. Make sure to get the, uh, the dino shaped chicken nuggets. They're fantastic. (laughs) So a couple
2: of things lined up. Uh,
0: yeah. And it'll be, wait, when, when is that one going to be at Mahoning? Do you have a date for that? Um, I think they just secured the print. Uh, so I don't, I don't remember. I'm so sorry. So it's that's, cool. They have an actual print. It's not like a. Uh, yeah, that's, a it's hat. all a 35 millimeter. It's be a 35 millimeter. And it's, we, um, Alamo Draft House, rest in peace. We had, uh, I toured with that print, uh, through Texas and we had it in the back of an SUV. <laughs> the cans of uh, oh, wow.
2: it's nice. It's oh, nice.
0: Boy. It's a nice, beautiful print.
2: It's not all chewed up. We've seen some bad ones over the years, but, uh. You'll love it. When you go to Mahoning, dude, let me know when you go to Mahoning. It's like two hours from us, but we go probably at least once a year. We try to go. Matter of fact, the last time I was there, I'm going to, I'm going to drop this for uh, anybody that was there when this happened. (laughs) After I went to a wrestling show that was there, it was a wrestling show. There was a Roddy Piper movie and I was trying to sleep in my truck as we were getting ready to leave. And I was there with my wife and my daughter and my, (laughs) I had the doors my daughter locked the doors and the car was shut off. And for some reason on a Honda Ridge line, if you try to uh, open the door when they're locked, your alarm goes off. So at like one o'clock in the morning while everybody was sleeping there, the alarm on my truck was going off and I had no idea how to get it off. So I'm driving out of Mahoning Drive-In and the, the alarm wouldn't shut off while I was driving for like a good 15 minutes. At one o'clock in the morning in the middle of Mahoning. Yeah,
1: and the way Mahoning is, is like you said, Man Crush, it's in the middle of a field. Yeah, There's no buildings. So as he's driving away, that's all they heard was the fading sound. There's people
2: coming out of tents like, what the fuck? I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm just driving away.
3: (laughs) Speaking of which, if there's anything I'm grateful for about this pandemic, God forbid, it's that drive-ins have become... Kind of more prevalent and kind of more in, and people are realizing how awesome drive-ins are, because um, when I was a kid uh, in Oak Harbor, I used to go to the Blue Fox all the damn time. It was one of my favorite drive-ins to go to, and it was great. And and it's just an experience that it's like no other, and I think it's something that just can't we can't afford to lose. Yeah, you know, it's more than just a nostalgia trip. It's
2: it's just a great experience altogether.
0: There nice. needs to be more
2: places like Mahoning, for sure, yeah. with the thirty-five millimeter cuts.
0: Like out in L.A., they tore down a lot of drive drive-ins over the years, but there's still enough left dotted around. They've been thriving during um, lockdowns. Um, yeah. But also, we have such a car culture of clubs and stuff that will come in period, you know, fifties and sixties cars that are just cherry and uh, um, really kind of build that kind of feeling you know and i love it when they just play trash i don't want to see something great i want to see yes. trash in the drive-in
2: that's matter of fact that's what we saw it was body slam so I it was not. not a great movie <laughs> <laughs> did they have billy blanks in it body slam uh no it had like uh who is the samoan guy that's in that the other wrestler <laughs> I, I forgot look, what i've never actually was. Like, seen that one. Oh, it's not a great movie but Keith, do you have anything else you want to throw out or you want to plug before you get out of here?
0: Oh, no, not at all. Just hope everyone's well, and staying well, and I don't know if everyone's working or not or whatever, but just hope everyone's doing good.
2: Well,
1: thanks again, Keith, for coming in and uh, being in the Reinhold on this episode, man. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> it has been my pleasure. You guys are very fun. Thanks for pulling up Memory Files that i haven't pulled in a long time i love that uh, that nostalgia i was alive for all of this stuff because i'm 51 so i have vivid memories of that stuff in the 70s you're talking about and uh clearly i remember the 80s 90s are a little fuzzy but um <laughs>
2: <laughs> well dude thanks again for coming on bro yeah, that was a you- lot of fun
0: thanks thanks a lot guys pleasure to
2: meet you man good luck on uh, filming in jersey
0: Thank you. <laughs> you said that very ominously. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Take care, man. Please right. stay in touch. And if, if you do go out there, let us know.
0: Rock and roll. All right. We'll do All
2: right. Later, dude. See ya.
1: All right, uh, duelers. Well, unfortunately, we're going to end this episode right here. But don't worry, if you've missed an episode, you can always head back to our website, www.duelingdecades.com, where you can uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, really everywhere podcasts are available. And while you're on those interwebs, go on over to facebook.com forward slash Decades, where you can join our private group over there you can share some of your very own retro memories so until next time duelers we're gonna bid you a peace love light and a joy have a grateful week everyone podcast new york York. be heard